If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Um, great to be here, and I'm very glad to be joined by Joanne Bradford, who is head of partnerships at Pinterest, and Adam Bain, who is president of partnerships and revenue for Twitter. So, guys, come on out. They did the disclaimer, but they didn't give my disclaimer, which is、What's、I just refused to be interviewed by Kafka. <laughs> Well, I'm very glad to be、Smart. here. These red chairs are pretty comfortable. <laughs> they are. More comfortable than they look. Thank you,、um, Steelcase. Yeah, thank you, Steelcase.、Um, so, you guys have known each other for years.、Uh, back when you said you were at the LA Times? I was actually at,、uh, well, we met each other, gosh, many moons ago at, when I was at Fox and Fox Sports originally. You were building- working for Peter, actually. Um, great to be here, and I'm very glad to be joined by Joanne Bradford, who is head of partnerships at Pinterest, and Adam Bain, who is president of partnerships and revenue for Twitter. So, guys, come on out. They did the disclaimer, but they didn't give my disclaimer, which is、What's、I just refuse to be interviewed by Kafka. <laughs> Well, I'm very glad to be、Smart. here. These red chairs are pretty comfortable. <laughs> they are. More comfortable than they look. Thank you,、um, Steelcase. Yeah, thank you, Steelcase.、Um, so, you guys have known each other for years.、Uh, back when you said you were at the LA Times? I was actually at,、uh, well, we met each other, gosh, many moons ago at, when I was at Fox and Fox Sports originally. And you were building, working for Peter, actually. Building the original ad network? We were doing a lot of、uh, interesting ad stuff back then. That was like. 17 years ago. And you were at Microsoft creating some new ad formats. Well, the deal that we worked on was super interesting back in the day.、Um, so I worked at Microsoft, and ESPN was the sports content provider.、Um, and at that point in time, they wouldn't give Microsoft any money.、Um, so we said, look, we'll take Fox Sports、um, and replace it with ESPN. And everybody thought people would really care and they'd be upset. And ESPN was like, this matters a lot. And in the end, it Took Fox Sports in the dot com place、right. from sort of 13th to number two.、Um, so it was, it was a fun deal to work on.、Um, and we stayed in touch ever since. Yeah. And now you're both in a position of building new ad products and convincing Madison Avenue to get on board.、Um, you had a little bit of a head start at Twitter. <laughs>
Um, and you're really just in the early stages of the ad products at Pinterest. I mean, you just really officially rolled out Promoted Pins January 1st. How's it going? Um, it's great. So we started testing um, about a year ago just with format. And then um, we went out to a small group of advertisers, ended up being mostly Fortune 50 um, companies that wanted to get in and try the platform. Because Pinterest is really about your whole business. Brands are welcome on Pinterest. So people like Nestle and Procter & Gamble and L'Oreal and Bank of America and American Express um, wanted to scale and spend some money with us. Um, but they also just want their presence to be on Pinterest in a big way. Brands have had such a big presence on Pinterest for so long. They're so powerful. Why did it take this long? Um, well, I think that um, you know the, the founding team of Pinterest really wanted to be thoughtful and built a great product first um, before they started to take revenue. Um, and you know, Pinterest is really about your future um, and about the things you want to do and buy and places you want to go. Um, and so brands are a big part of it. So what's the, the biggest challenge in getting advertisers to understand? I mean, you're hosting a Pinstitute, cute little name for a way to teach brands how to, to, to do this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that you have to host a Pinstitute, is this a sign that the ad format is complicated? Well, I mean, we're taking some cues actually from, from what Twitter did as well. They did Flight School, which is um, a program. One of the things that we actually share in common um, is that we both have to help advertisers create content on our platforms. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. And this is just one way to teach them um, how to use the data. So there's two things that are very different about um, this um, and Pinterest's offering is that the earned media is there. So um, for every impression that you buy on Pinterest, you usually get about 30% of free impressions. And then the engagement is much higher than banners and text ads and those kinds of things. So people are really excited about that and they're willing to invest a little bit more in creative um, for that. And then on Pinterest, things live forever. So um, when you think about um, the life of a pin, um, it's long and it's helpful and powerful for people. Um, so brands are willing to invest more in the creative process. Um, so we're, we're teaching them and they're really excited about earned media and engagement. So Pinterest is all about planning for the future. Twitter is all about the now. But you also like to talk about earned media. Um, what's your pitch to, to Matt? Well, look, I mean, I think we, we got some of the questions, um, that, exact, that exact same question when I joined the company about four and a half years ago. Um, four and a half years ago, we had zero in revenue and basically no ad products. Uh, you flash forward uh, four and a half years later, we just announced our earnings a couple weeks ago. We did $1.4 billion in revenue in 2014. Uh, it's 111% growth year on year. That's amazing. Congratulations. It, I mean, really, that's amazing. It's, thanks. it's awesome. <laughs> it is. Thanks. There's, um, but the funny thing is, like, we got questions from day one around, like, what's taking you guys so long, et cetera. And I, was, I was asking those You questions. did ask yeah. us that. And the funny thing is, we set out to do it right versus right away, and just fast actually happened right along with it. We're one of probably the fastest to go from zero to past a billion. Um, of all time in terms of ad businesses, and I don't think there's anybody else that's growing quite as fast. That said, uh, as Joanne mentioned, the number one thing that we're doing, that we're talking to marketers about right now, is how to actually bring great quality content uh, onto the platform. You know, oftentimes people are ready to go big with Twitter, and they actually need something to help promote. 
So how do you go through this process of creating an entirely new ad format? I mean, you came from a world of classified ads, and now you're creating this new ad format on Twitter, and then you have to go explain to advertisers why it works, and also how to create ads that fit that mold. How do you do that? Well, I think you heard it a little bit from uh, what Jason talked about uh, today with Vessel on how they, go, how they went and talked to people about a new product as well. Um, when we started out, what was different was mobile is one. You know, today about 88% uh, last quarter of our revenue comes from mobile. Uh, that's with inside of um, mobile apps primarily. When you're talking about inside of mobile, everything breaks that we're used to for the last 20 years at least in terms of display ads. So targeting, measurement, creative, all that stuff is completely unique and different. I saw that as a huge opportunity. It allowed us to help create a storyline for marketers where they can be rewarded for being good. Traditional display ads really just reward you for being loud. Um, and that's what we set out to do. And I think, you know, when I look at what Joanne is doing with Inside of Pinterest, it's much the same thing, where it's a focus on high a high-quality advertiser experience. And then we've been working on measurement pieces as well to show that it, there's good ROI. So it's this virtuous cycle. The better the ad is, the more earned media, the more... And also the non-standard, like, the world went into a pretty standardized place in terms of ads, but it turns out that doesn't work at all in mobile. And so there was a huge opportunity, especially because of the stream, uh, to focus again on the thing that made advertising great many years ago, which is the content, the idea, and the message. So it seems like everyone is advertising on Twitter, but it is still a little bit of an experiment, at least for most advertisers. They're doing it. They're seeing how it's going. How do you transition from it being a sort of an experimental play that everyone's dabbling in to something that's part of every advertiser's annual buy? Yeah. So. Um, we certainly have broken through experimental budgets at this point. Um, but what's interesting is we actually don't just walk into the sort of media door uh, overall. Because on Twitter, when you think about the CMO, the PR and comms people are using it, the research people are using it, the media people certainly are using it. Um, and so from that standpoint, uh, we get to go in and be strategic. The, we have a data part of our business where we go in and talk about um, you know, Twitter data and, and what it can do for your business. We go in and show best use cases of just using the platform organically without paying us anything. And so the, while, when I said it takes longer to do, it's mostly because we get to go in and talk about the full picture instead of just walking in the media door. And that's something that I think is unique to both of us and, and some others in our category. Now, both of you are working directly with brands. You talk about meeting with the CMO. Um, but when I asked you ahead of this conversation about the role that ad agencies play, you said, oh, they're still very important, they're still very important. Um, but I wonder in this era of programmatic advertising where my machine can talk to your machine and they can negotiate ad rates and figure that all out, um, what role does the ad agency play? Are they just stewards of the relationship? Well, I mean, there's, there's another person in the room, and literally in this room, um, is the publishers, right? So the publishers in creating content, and I think that programmatic advertising tried to drive to the least common denominator and tried to take it down to efficiency. And the consumer has said, no, we actually want a different experience. And they love pinning, and they pin like crazy. And you know, if I, if, if I showed, I went to my uh, doctor the other day, I had a little earache. And I went in, and they said, we've never seen anybody from Pinterest. And all the entire staff came in. And the doctors were like, we pin license plates and bathrooms and food. And the uh, 
you know, receptionist was like, I pin nails, and oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? And so you see that consumer interaction, and the publishers are like, wow, we have to get in on that. We've got content, and you see it on Twitter, you see it on Snapchat, you see it on Pinterest, so we're trying to help them. And when we help them, we actually can help agencies too, because that's where they want to spend their money, is against where media is happening. So we think about it as like a holistic environment, right? Like we've seen, we saw pinfluencers on the stage, we've seen publishers on the stage, we work with the New York Times, we work with the pinfluencers that were here today, and ultimately agencies to help them access that. So we think that ecosystem, while it does change a little bit, and it's not 15% commission on a television ad anymore, I mean, that's clear from sitting here for mm -hmm. two days, that, that that's not happening anymore. So how do you get to scale and how do you get to understanding? And so we're like very pro-publisher, we're pro-pinfluencer, and then we are pro-ad agency. And we have to make sure that we have programs that can help them all with the data to make sure that they're using our platform the best way possible. Adam, yeah. what? I, well, I got, so there's actually, I think, something super interesting that's happening in the agency world, which is the cost that it usually took to actually trade something digitally has certainly collapsed. Um, the interesting opportunity that a bunch of the agencies are moving towards is as that collapses and as, as trading gets more efficient um, through computers and through algorithms, um, the next areas are interesting because the agencies are investing there. And it's in strategy, it's in measurement, and it's in content and creative. And so in some ways, if you take some of those costs out of the system that it takes to actually make a trade, but redeploy them into these three areas, that's way higher value. Uh, for the marketer, I think. So strategy, measurement, and creative. So when I think about the programmatic world, those three things are going to completely improve because the agencies are now investing there because they couldn't before. Now, as you go to Madison Avenues, you deal with the agencies, you deal with the brands. Um, are you talking about your logged-in user base or are you talking about everyone? We are talking about a total audience story for sure, and that has been one that has been um, misunderstood. Frankly, even... Uh, we haven't been talking about it publicly for that, for that long. Um, it's, you know, we have uh, uh, 200 and close to 300 million uh, logged in. 288 True. 288 million uh, logged in users that come to Twitter and either consume tweets or tweet themselves. There's half a billion, over a half a billion, who come to Twitter and that aren't logged in. Uh, they're logging, they're not logging in, but they're coming there through search. Someone sends them a tweet. Uh, or they're landing at, at Twitter home. There's 750 million people who see tweets in syndication, so they go to a website or an app and see a tweet there. And there's over a billion people that we touch, a billion iOS and Android users that we touch every 30 days through our MoPub acquisition. So what we've started talking to marketers about is how you take, right now they're just targeting the 300 million that we've given them access to. What we're gonna start doing is allowing them to traverse the universe. But here's a question. Advertisers want information about the people they're targeting. There's a lot more information on Facebook about who I am than there is information on Twitter. And you have a lot less information about your logged out users than you do about your logged in users. So those logged out users are inherently far less valuable. So we're monetizing users based on context today. So we, we monetize users in two ways. We monetize them on the user themselves, so what we know about that uh, person that comes to the platform, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we also monetize the context. Somebody does a search uh, with inside of Twitter. We target ads, promoted tweets uh, in the stream based on those searches. Um, and the monetization rates there are extremely high. 
So we feel confident around our ability to monetize context uh, as well as uh, the, the person or the user themselves. And you're right, everybody's got different views of the user. Um, in, in, on one end of the spectrum, you have a Proust questionnaire that when you signed up for a service maybe 10 years ago, you gave a lot of information about yourself once. On Twitter, we don't ask a lot of information up front. However, we, we understand that it's that old adage of you are what you eat on Twitter, it's you are what you tweet. You are what you tweet, you are what you follow, you are what you retweet. But if you're, lo- if you're tweeting, you're logged in. True, if, but if you're going and consuming uh, tweets, we understand the context of where you're at. And so that's, I think what you'll see is a context-rich environment, both for logged out and then certainly uh, with inside of our syndication partners. And how much less valuable, though, are the logged out users? Well, we've talked about users? this already uh, publicly, um, that you know we, we see good monetization with inside of logged in today. Uh, we gave a picture at Analyst Day over the long term what we think a logged out user uh, is worth, but you know, time will tell as we begin allowing marketers to traverse that universe. You just mentioned, or we just mentioned, that Twitter has 288 million followers. There's a lot of concern on Wall Street that you only added net 4 million new followers over the prior three months. Is that does that make your job harder that you're not so? Going faster? We talked about this as well on the on the analyst call. Um, you know, we uh, already uh, on the on the call talked about our return to normal that we're seeing. Uh, that we've seen over the past three quarters um, already uh, for, for Q1. Um, you know, from my perspective, we monetize engagement and we monetize action that people are having on the platform. We also have a ton of headroom in the business um, uh, from, a, from a growth perspective. And ultimately, this total audience of activity, you know, going from 288 million all the way up to a billion, um, is something that's interesting for some marketers. Ultimately, marketers care about two things. They care about reach and scale, and they care about engagement. The problem ultimately is that all of us in digital have only been talking about one. So some, some of our peer set only go out and talk about reach. Some of our peer set only go and talk about engagement. Nobody's talking about it together. We think this is gonna be one of the first platforms that allow you to do it at scale together. I have to ask about all this chatter about your boss, uh, Dick Coslow. Yes, he just got um, hurt on the, on the uh, he yeah. broke his... Broke his... I, I saw the picture he tweeted. Yeah. <laughs> um, he hurt himself skiing. Yeah. Um, so, Dick, we, we're sorry you're going to be here because of that. Um, so, uh, the question is, is all this chatter about whether he's the right guy to run Twitter distracting from your business? Not at all, because the entire company knows that he's the right CEO for the company, and we have as well uh, a dream team from a management team perspective. We have the best CFO in the business, although we have to teach them how to use direct messaging a little bit better. (laughs) We have (laughs) the best uh, product uh, uh, person in Kevin Wheel, the best engineering leader in Alex Redder. These are two two guys that I worked with very closely for the last four and a half years in building up the business. We have the best head of, of legal in, in Vidya. So this is like if you were going to start a fantasy business, a fantasy sports style, but for business, these are all people that I would go you know, choose uh, for my team. And ultimately, the interesting thing about being public is there's a big difference between what the outside world talks about and what we know to be true internally. Uh, the really weird thing is everybody's talking about something that happened three months ago, right, based on what you're actually able to talk about uh, from the earnings call and the like. So we feel confident in, uh, in the course and the direction that Dick has 
uh, set for the companies kept everybody really focused on it. You also oversee commerce. You've been doing some tests. We How's have, that going? We have. Uh, so we hired um, Nathan Hubbard, uh, who was the former CEO of Ticketmaster, uh, over a year ago to come to leave Ticketmaster and come over to Twitter to, to open up the commerce business for us. Uh, commerce really for us is two uh, sets of product product lines. One is buy now, so you see a product with inside of a tweet and with. Uh, with one touch of your thumb on the, on the glass, you ultimately can make a purchase. And then the second one is offers, or essentially buy later. And the idea is um, we did this through an acquisition um, uh, of driving card link offers. So you uh, claim an offer, and then you walk into a physical store uh, and swipe your credit card. We'll take the dis uh, discount at the register. So one's digital commerce and one's offline commerce. It's early, super early days. We've been doing a bunch of testing around it. And what we've come to realize is that it's a really great place for in-the-moment commerce. Nobody's going to come to Twitter just to try and browse selection. That's not how people use uh, the platform overall. But there's some really fascinating things that we can do with just the real-time nature of the platform that we're looking forward to for the next year or so. Pinterest has the potential for a very different kind of commerce business. What's your advice to Joanne on how she should... Well, actually, look, jo so Joanne doesn't need advice from me. She's doing, uh, she's doing an amazing job there. But... Um, one of the problems that exists uh, specific to mobile is that there's not a ton of retailers and uh, commerce partners who have their entire SKU database ready to push out to social platforms. This has been a really unique problem that we've had to go out and, uh, and solve. And it's a lot of hard work. It's getting deep into uh, the back ends of each one of these uh, commerce and merchants and retailers. Are you going to launch your buy button before or after you file to go public? <laughs> I don't know. We just go, I was so fascinated by the questions you were asking Adam. I was, I, I, we don't have any plans for either of those things at this point in time. For either of those things. I mean, so the buy button on Pinterest seems I mean, Julia, so you ask me that question every time we talk. And I, I know, I, I want a buy button. It's exciting. I would like a buy button on Pinterest. It would make the planning of my one-year-old's birthday party so much easier <laughs> if I could just buy everything from Pinterest. There are so many people like me who just would like to buy things from Pinterest. Help I, me I, out here. There's a, there's a few things that um, businesses are doing today, right? So they're, you know pinning, they're optimizing their landing pages. Um, if you look at work that Target has done, um, Nordstrom and like merchandising in their stores and other things. And we're driving sales for them just by that alone. So we feel like businesses can get a lot of value on Pinterest and can really um, be successful today. And we try to add lots of functionality to the pins. So there's rich pins, there's product pins that you can sign up for that can give you a, an alert every time a price drops. Um, that you know you can get article pins for publishers, and we just announced app pins last week where you can install from within the pin um, in a partnership with Apple. So functionality in a pin to be able to like discover things, save them and organize them, and then do them is really important. One of the things that's different about Pinterest is that people actually organize everything. So, you know, 30 billion pins have been organized and categorized. Um, humor is one of our categories that's um, very gender balanced uh, between um, men and women. Um, and people think things are funny, right? Um, they pin everything from entertainment quotes. I was telling Mark Cuban earlier today, there's a million pins with Shark Tank on them. Those pins will be repinned 12 times each, so that's 12 million and that's like a television show unto itself. Um, so there's just a lot businesses can do before 
we get to any of the problems and opportunities <laughs> that Adam has. Um, I want to open up to questions, but a quick question about um, some of the surprise type of advertising or brands on, on Pinterest um, and what that says about the future of the company. The fact that you have these financial services companies, automa I mean, I guess automakers are a little bit less surprising. The fact that financial services companies are having a lot of success on Pinterest, what does that say about the future of the platform? Well, I mean, the, the platform and Pinterest is about your future, right? And your future usually involves large money decisions and changes. Um, so when you have a baby, when you buy a house, um, when you plan a big vacation, when you want to go somewhere with your friends, when you really like something and you're going to collect it and invest in it, um, you know, you do that on Pinterest, right? So it's about your passions and categorizing things and being creative. So um, we just feel like that is a big opportunity for us. And the, and the financial services companies have had... The financial services companies, like, that's all they care about, right? Yeah. They care about when you are changing from one mode to another. Um, when, you, when, you're, when you're going to buy a house, remodel, um, you know, even change your diet, right? Like, there's lots of opportunities yeah. in that. Great. I think it's time for questions. Any questions? Owen Thomas from ReadWrite. I, with Ryan Lawler of TechCrunch, I'm one of two designated question askers today. <laughs> um, I just want to know if you're wearing those free socks you got. <laughs> no, sadly. I, I, I forgot to put them on. Um, sorry for the boring gray socks. Uh, question for, for Adam and Joanne, but I'm going to start by picking on Adam. Um, I'm reading a really exciting blog post on the official Twitter blog about testing ads in syndication with partners. Um, it's a, oh wait, no, sorry, it's written by Matt Graves, and it's dated 2010. So this is something you've been trying for almost five years, and you've just recently rolled it out in yet another test, I believe? No, so we're, so, uh, uh, two parts. The 2010, we actually ran uh, syndication ads on a bunch of different partners, including um, a large search partner. Um, we, uh, uh, what, we what we just announced is um, we're taking organic, promoted, or, or organic tweets and running promoted tweets right with inside of it. Uh, the two partners that we've signed up are Flipboard and um, Yahoo Japan, uh, so both a domestic and a, a global uh, partner. Um, and we're starting to run uh, promoted tweets out to that scale. So that's that 750 million that I talked about. There's 185 billion tweet impressions uh, every quarter, um, and that's a huge opportunity. The why now, maybe, is your question. We have enough marketers who uh, are looking for not just engagement, but that region scale piece. Uh, we've been working with them on uh, both the measurement and the ROI, both on Twitter and also off of Twitter, and the results uh, that we've seen so far, it's early days, are good enough that we're starting to see scale. Okay, so scale is is the main difference. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we ha we, there's this crazy opportunity out there, which is 700, over 700 million pe people that see tweets, 185 billion tweet impressions. Um, publishers are taking Twitter content and putting it on their apps and, and websites. Um, some of them want help in terms of monetization. And so from our standpoint, it's a great user experience, it's a, it's a great uh, publisher experience, and it's a great Twitter experience. Okay. And to flip the question to Joanne, similar one. Pinterest has had a recent kerfuffle about affiliate links 
rewind a few years, you had the same kerfuffle. I think the, the larger theme I'm seeing, tell me if you disagree, is that it's really hard to figure out a way to share the wealth um, with partners and publishers. Um, why, why is that? What are you seeing? Um, and if you can specifically reference for the audience this, this affiliate link conundrum you're facing. Um, yeah, it's not a conundrum. It's a decision that we made that um, we think that the best pinner experience is um, one where what you follow, you, there's not a pay-for-pin model. Um, and so we did it really for the user experience. I mean, our, our number one value at Pinterest is to put pinners first. And, um, you know, if you're following someone that has art and then they're all of a sudden pinning, like, you know, something weird, uh, you, you know, it, it's disingenuous. And so we just don't want that behavior on Pinterest at all. Um, and we would rather work with... Um, advertisers to figure out how to get the right ad in the right place, like relevancy drives engagement, and that's really important to us. Um, we think that we drive a lot of traffic for publishers and engagement. So, um, you know, BuzzFeed has talked publicly about how important we are to them. There's many publishers where they're, we are their number one source of traffic um, from Pinterest, and that has not cost them anything. Um, and it comes from them putting the pin it button on there. Um, it comes from repins. Um, so we want to make sure that we are always giving the consumer the best experience possible. And our policy is always going to reflect that. Um, and we had made a decision about a year ago, and we finally just closed off the, the few folks that were left um, doing the affiliate business. So, If I can say something about the share of the wealth piece, I mean, that's something that we've been doing uh, for a while now. Uh, we've got a program called Twitter Amplify, which brings premium content onto the platform. And it's something that we have structured as a win-win uh, with both the TV and the content um, uh, production uh, world, um, you know, the syndication business that I talked about, the, the promoted tweets off of Twitter also is, uh, has a rev share component with the publishers. And then we just uh, announced an acquisition of a, of a company, you saw some of it uh, here today, um, a niche. Uh, there's about 8,000 now creators in the niche network. Um, and a big chunk of those are also Vine, uh, Vine stars. And we've had a ton of experience bringing brands and marketers to the table who need content to run on the platform. And we're matchmaking. We're bringing those, uh, that brand demand and actually bringing uh, people like Niche to the table so that money moves all the way down to the individual creator business. You saw some of it, I think, uh, here uh, today uh, with people like uh, Jethro Ames, et cetera. I mean, these are people that are building real businesses in this way. Um, Jethro used to, uh, used to work at, a, a, at an ad agency. One of the other creators used to work at a windshield wiper factory. So these are people that have quit their day jobs and actually are building real businesses now on these platforms. And we're really excited about how we can get marketer money in their hands. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time because Peter and Walt are coming up with Mark Cuban. So I'm sorry. You can ambush them afterwards. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, guys.